All right. Let, let me talk to you a little bit uh, tonight. Uh, my message titled is titled Transformed into His Image. Now, the, it, the backdrop of all of this is that you and I need to be discerning of the times in which we live. You, you must discern the times. You don't want to just walk around every day not being aware of what's going on around you. And you also uh, want to remember the words that we have preached uh, a number of times here. Truth doesn't take sides. So you want to make sure that you are representing the Lord, uh, representing the Lord every day. You are a representation of Jesus Christ in the earth because you and I are his body. We are his body. And, and we are taking our orders from the head. Now, now, listen to this. My feet have never taken orders from any one of you, ever. They always take orders from my head. My hands do that. My eyes, my mouth, always take orders from my head. But they do not take orders from a stranger. So we, we, as the body of Christ, must be aware of that and stop listening to other voices and trying to bend them in the right direction. All right? We're not going to bend them in the right direction because they will not be bent into, toward God when they are from the enemy or his camp. All right? And in Romans chapter 12, we, we uh, have now our uh, thesis um, scriptures. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So you are not a dead sacrifice in this context. You are a living sacrifice. And so what he's saying is you must present your bodies by God's mercies to him as his own personal property, as it were. So you are a living sacrifice. The sacrifice does not get to say what he or she will sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, acceptable to God. So that means that God wants, uh, our Father God wants a sacrifice that is without taint, without blemish, without its own opinions and views. That's what he wants, acceptable to God. So we're going to take our bodies and pre present them a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, sanctified, acceptable to God, that is without blemish, he says, which is your reasonable service. This is what you ought to do based on what God has done. Some versions say spiritual worship, but this is what you ought to do based on what God has done. What, what has God done? God has saved us from what we could not be saved from. I'm not sure that that is really, has really sunk deep into our hearts. You and I could not be saved from what we were in. There was no help in the earth realm, absolutely no help. Our help came from heaven. Our help came from outside the earth realm. Okay. And so Paul is writing to us and he says in verse 2, and, no, so he's not finished, right? That's pretty steep order here, but he says, and, 
do not be conformed to this world. In other words, he is saying, don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world's views, philosophies, or demands shape you. Now, there are those who will hear what I'm saying and go out and say, yes, but. Que lastima. What a pity. What a pity. You should never do that. You should never do that. Never, ever. You say, well, that's just his opinion. No, it's not my opinion. It's the Word of God. I'm reading the Word of God objectively. That is, this is what God is saying. This is not going through Don Lavelle's filters. Do not be conformed to this world. So what does this indicate? It indicates that the world is trying to shape you. You are the world's target. The world's not trying to shape its own. He already has them. And he's already shaped them. And you know what? They're in bad shape. But you and I are the, the world's target, the enemy's target. So do not be conformed to this world. But, so we're going to change direction. We're not going to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. Be transformed. You cannot be transformed just by coming to church. You will not be transformed by that. You can be a church goer and, ki- and, go, and go to church until Jesus comes and still be lost. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So our minds are in a constant renewal process. We are being constantly renewed in our minds, our thinking, how we think, how we form our thoughts. This is what God wants us to do, is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove or you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God is saying is that he actually puts us into the world's sphere. He puts, we work there every day, and we are to be a living sacrifice there. That's why oftentimes we go through all kinds of difficulty. And this was my message today, right? So we go through all kinds of difficulty. The world accuses us. The world attacks us. The world does not give us what we deserve to have because the world has another agenda than God. And so, so he says here that you and I may prove. And so how can we prove if we're not tested? That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To be transformed by God is a permanent work. This is, I believe that. There are those who believe opposite, but I, I would like to say, uh, full-throated, they are wrong. I'm not right in everything I say. But to be transformed by God is a permanent work. See, God does not do, he does not call us to give us um, a partial salvation in the sense that our salvation is total and it is full and it is free to us. It it is. Now, as I gave an example a few days ago, speaking of of the blessings of God that are ours now and then then more to come. See, I have not contradicted myself. So God has given us every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's all ours. What if I were to say to you, come, let's eat dinner, and you, you sit at the table, and I bring you a plate as big as this desk, and I put a, a good 
properly grilled ribeye on this, and it's as big as this, this desk. And I said, it's all yours. And rather than you say, I'm sorry, I can't eat it. I'm leaving the table. No, just eat what you can. Eat it a bite at a time because it's all yours. And this is what God wants the church to understand. It's all yours. So the, per- the work is a permanent work. We are experiencing it incrementally, step by step, day by day. But it's all, the transformation is already ours, and it has already begun. So what, what, what does this bring to the believer? What does this mean? It means that you are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed, continue to operate uh, with God, with the Holy Spirit, in this renewing of your mind so that your thinking is not like it was before. So oftentimes we, we make a peace treaty with our bad thoughts, and we are not to keep the same mindset that we had when we came to the Lord. And we are not to, to receive the mindset of those who don't know the Lord or those who are very immature. All right transformed into his image. It, it is seen in nature. This transformation is seen in nature um, as we see the caterpillar going into a death to what he was. He goes into a death to what he was, and after a process of time, he flies out of the cocoon as a transformed creature. And so we see it's sort of in nature what God expects of us. He flies out as a transformed creature. He has been metamorphosed. And this is what Paul is, t- is, is uh, talking to us, uh, telling us about the transformational process. He is now, the caterpillar is now something new. He is not a winged caterpillar. He is now a butterfly. He is not a winged caterpillar. So sometimes, oftentimes actually, we look at life as though we are just trying to do the best we can with what we got. And, we're, and we say that, basically, we're saying what I have mentally grasped. I don't think that we, as it were, firstly, mentally grasp all the blessings of God. So we, 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 we do it incrementally, but we do it first in the heart. I, you and I know things in the heart that we are, are yet to express with the head. So we walk it out step by step. What, this is making you more like Jesus. So... You have to say, in order to be more like Jesus, you have to say no to yourself. You must say no to yourself. Because self was always trying to protect self. And your, your soul, your, your unsanctified soul, is always trying to protect you. So you have to watch that. All right? Say no to yourself. Now, we are being changed. All of us are being changed. There's some people who, who just pamper themselves. I told you years ago that I had an addiction, a terrible addiction as a young teenager. And then into young adulthood, I loved ice cream. <laughs> I had an ice cream addiction. And so whatever, whatever the, whenever the body said, ice cream, please, I said, absolutely. <laughs> it didn't matter if it were midnight. I had to get up, go to the stores, the all-night store, and help myself. Yes. And so sometimes we're like that. But we have now a new nature. At this point of our salvation, we are being changed in regards to experience. So we are being 
changed in our experience with God. Our experiences are making us better, and we are now experiencing transformation. It, uh, these things are making us better, but you must say no. And so the transformation is not a destination only. You know, it's not only the destination. And so it's not only the destination that is important. I've told you stories about how when I was a young, younger person, uh, it was always the destination. Always the destination. Man, let's get to our destination. You know, let's pack so that we don't have to stop except for, for uh, you know, certain breaks at the service station. You know, and so let's pack so we won't have to because the destination. And, of course, I was broken from that. Uh, I won't go into why, how I was broken from that. <laughs> so I've enjoyed the journey. And the Lord wants you to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the transformational process. Enjoy it. You know, if you, if you had a, a propensity to be mean, and you know if you were a mean little girl or a mean little boy, you know that. You don't have to have somebody to tell you if you were, if you were mean. You know, there are some, I always said that people are born with some, uh, uh, well, all kinds of proclivities, and they, sometimes toddlers act them out. You know that. And don't, t don't tell me that your toddler was the sweetest, perfect toddler. You know, we're going to bring you to the altar, anoint you, and pray. Because some of them were mean little rascals. They would take the toys from your kids, your nice little sweet kids, you know, or your nice little sweet kid was taking the toy from somebody else's kid. But they would take the toy or sometimes, they, you know, we'd have our little babies up and they'd, somebody would walk up and pow, you know, and we had to watch our kids from kids, you know. So, so I, I think what God wants us to understand, though, is that we are all in, we are transformed and we're all being transformed. So that's why we have to be patient with others, but make sure you say no to yourself. It's not only the journey that is important, but the, but the journey. It's not only the destination, sorry, that is important, but also the journey. So the Lord wants you to enjoy the journey. He wants you to enjoy all those things that seem to be so difficult that you can hardly get through. He wants you to enjoy. Keep going. Keep being righteous. Keep doing good to those who do bad to, things to you. Keep love, joy, peace, gentleness before you and in your heart. The kindness, faith, self-control, long-suffering. Keep that. It, th these are, uh, are the fruits of the Spirit, and, uh, or the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is none other than Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is expressed in your love for others, in, your in the joy that you express when you are going through difficulty, the peace that you have in troubled times, uh, the gentleness at all, uh, that you have, the kindness etc. So God wants that from us. You say, Pastor, I know that. Well, let's walk in it. Now, let's walk in it. Let's walk in it. Let's walk in it. And, and so here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Galatians 2, 20, uh, we, we can probably all quote it, but those of you who are quoted by the KJV, you let us quote it by the other verse. <laughs> Y'all get us all mixed up. Have you ever noticed that I learned most scriptures, uh, King James the authorized version. I learned almost all of my scriptures, and now I have memorized them so that I, 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 don't, I don't say thy, thine, whithersoever. I, I use a, a more modern words, but uh, the King James is sort of the language of my soul also. I, I just don't express it like that. In Gal Galatians uh, 2.20 says, I have been 
crucified with Christ. Now, notice what he says. I have been. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So crucifixion brings about change. It is inevitable. It's unavoidable. So crucifixion does. So when Jesus was crucified and he died, Jesus was no longer, as many of us would say, he's no longer a Jewish carpenter. So your boss, your Lord is not a Jewish carpenter. So he's no longer a Jewish carpenter. Jesus is the first fruits of a new humanity, of a new kind of humanity. That, that's who Jesus is now. So Jesus is not what he was. And you and I are not what we were before. We are now sons of God. We're sons of God. That's who we are. And, and our obligation is to the one who died for us and rose again. Your obligation is not to what people want you to be obligated to. It is to the son of God who, who died for you. Nobody in this world died for you. We've just had an election. Not one politician has died for you. And not one politician I would offer is willing to die for you. <laughs> so, so you don't, you're, you're not obligated to take your cues, your marching orders from them. It doesn't matter who says it. If bishop somebody, apostle somebody comes, pastor somebody comes and says that to you and you go after them, oh, que lastima. What a pity. So you don't do that. Why? You and I must, in, this, in these troubled times, be more vigilant than ever to hear from God and walk according to what he tells us. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. Uh, Paul says this very powerfully. I would like to say he says it uh, emphatically with, with great emphasis, with great emphasis. He says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I to the world. Wow. But God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will glory, I will boast in the cross, because it was in the cross that I was changed, transformed, into a new kind of human being. The old has passed away, and now the new has come. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. Wow. And he says, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I boast. That's where my power comes from. That's where my faith comes from. That's where my overcoming ability comes from. And he says about the cross, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world, or I am also a dead man to the world. Wow. So that means that maybe the world says, oof, you stink. That's what the world says. So we say amen to that. For in Christ Jesus, verse 15, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. 
We are a new creation. And that's the only thing that can avail anything is a new creation. And that's who we are. So you might say to me, I know that, but are you walking in it? Are you walking in it? The cross is God's instrument of transformation. The, the cross is God's instrument of transformation. Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. The cross is God's instrument of transformation. Why? Because you there at the cross die to everything you were. At the cross, you die to everything you were. This is not for an intellectual argument. There are a lot of us who, who know these things intellectually, but until you know them in the heart, they, they avail nothing. And one way God causes you to know them is by taking you through difficulty. Through difficulty. We, have you noticed we always talk about going through difficulty, but, but I think sometimes mentally we're thinking we went to difficulty. We were delivered to difficulty. But no, we go through difficulty. And, and let's look at Matthew chapter 17. A um, couple of verses, first two verses. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he, Jesus, was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as snow. So he was transfigured, transformed right before them. Transfigures means to change so as to glorify or exalt. And so God has transfigured, transformed us by the cross so that our one job, as it were, is to glorify God and to exalt him. That's our purpose. That is our purpose. We're coming to a time in our salvific history where we will be more aware of that than ever before in that every day I wake up, I wake up to glorify the Lord and to exalt the Lord. I don't, wait, I don't wake up in order to maybe uh, save my money to have the biggest house in the town or to have the fanciest clothing or drive the fanciest car. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with any of those things if you should have them. But it is wrong to wake up thinking about that. You are, your job is not to glorify yourself, but to glorify the Lord. You're, you're, that is your job. And to exalt his name. And so uh, here, transfigure also is, uh, means metamorpho is, is the word that transfigure talks about. So Jesus was changed in form and in nature. They saw Jesus there on that Mount of Transfiguration, that's Peter, James, and John, they saw Jesus in his glory. I, I don't know what that does for you, but that just really messes me up. That really messes me up. Can you imagine looking at somebody and you're looking at, at them? This is your friend, Jesus. Yeah, you know he is the Messiah. And all of a sudden, his garments are whiter than any launderer could ever bleach them. And his face is outshining the sun. And then two historic figures come to talk with him, Moses and Elijah. And they are talking to him. The law and the prophets came to witness. You are the 
one that, that the law spoke about. You are the one that we were prophesying about. They came to, to and not only perhaps to give witness, but to bow down and give way. Yes, to give way. And so, and so uh, there are other things I can say about metamorphosis, but let me go a couple of more scriptures, and then we will, we will close for tonight. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul speaks here to the Corinthians and thus to us, he says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. So what he is talking about is that the law, the Old Testament ministry, it was amazing. I, I imagine most of us here have seen the Ten Commandments, haven't we? Is that messy hands if you've seen the Ten Commandments? You've seen the Ten Commandments? Uh, okay. How many of you have seen it twice? How many of you have seen it three times? How many of you have seen it five times? Wow. Wow. Do I hear ten? Well, yeah. I got ten people. Listen, there are people who have seen it ten times. I may have seen it ten times too because I'm in the house with the person who wanted to see it ten times. Yeah. All right. So, but listen to what he says. See, you and I are transformed or being, we are transformed and are being transformed. It's like you are saved and you are being saved and you will be saved, right? So we are being transformed. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. See, that glory that represented the old covenant was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? How would, how would it be more glorious? So your glory, the glory that God has given to you, is greater than the glory of the law and the prophets. It's greater. This is, this is very big. So you and I have been transformed into his image. We need to understand what that means like in this present world. It's not like we get to be dainty and do our little cutesy-cutesy, and then Jesus says, oh, you're just so cute. Come on in anyway. No. No. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, and it did have glory, it was great. We've just attested by even watching a movie called Moses, or the Ten Commandments, rather. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness, that is the ministry that we have been given, the ministry of righteousness, and that is acting out righteousness because, because we are the righteousness of God at this juncture. You know, the righteousness of God is in us. So we now are walking out as righteous ones. We're, we're righteous ones, those who please God. That's, that's huge. That's, so... If the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So Paul wants us to understand that. And this is the last verse, and then we'll, we'll pray. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. So he's talking to the Corinthians, and he says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, clearly, you are an, an epistle of Christ, a letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, written 
not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. You are a letter written by God. You have one obligation, is to wake up every day, glorify the Lord, and exalt Him. That is your assignment. He says, you're written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. There is the heart. Glory. Glory, Lord. That's what God wants you to know. What he wants you to know. He wants you to know Jesus. But we all, all of us, all of us, with unveiled face. Moses had a veil of his face because his glory was passing away. He didn't want the children of Israel to see the glory was passing away. But it was a prophetic passing away. That has given way to who we are. This is what God wants you to know. And once you really know it, I don't think a bump on the head can take it away. Because it's not just in the head, it's in the heart. That's why Alzheimer's can't take it away from people that I've seen in nursing homes. They don't know who they are. They can't tell you their name. But start to sing Amazing Grace. They'll sing every stanza. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But he says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, our being, our being transformed into the same image, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, our being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord the Spirit of the Lord wow thank you Jesus thank you Jesus 